Chapter Eleven of The Maid of Skur. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Jennifer Painter. The Maid of Skur by R. D. Blackmore. Chapter Eleven A Wrecker Wrecked. Near the gate I met Evan Thomas, the master of the house himself, at length astir, but still three parts drunk, and, if I may say so with due compassion for the trouble then before him, in a very awkward state of mind. It happened so that the surliness of his liquor and of his nature mingled at this moment with a certain exultation, a sense of good luck, and a strong desire to talk and be told again of it and this is the nature of all welshmen directly they have any luck they must begin to brag of it you will find the same in me perhaps or at any rate think you do although i try to exclude it having to deal with englishmen who make nothing of all the great deeds they have done until you begin to agree with them and then my goodness they do come out but the object of my writing is to make them understand us which they never yet have done being unlike somehow in nature, though we are much of their fathers. Having been almost equally among the, both these nations, and speaking English better perhaps than my native tongue of the Cymri, of which anybody can judge who sees the manner in which I do it, it is against my wish to say what Evan Thomas looked like. His dark face, overhung with hair, and slouched with a night of drinking, was beginning to burn up, from paleness and from weariness into a fury of plunder scarcely did i know the man although i had so many recollections of evil against him a big strong clumsy fellow at all times far more ready to smite than smile and wholly void of that pleasant humour which among almost all my neighbours though never yet could i find out why creates a pleasing eagerness for my humble society as punctual as my pension day but now his reeling staggering manner of coming along towards us and the hunching of his shoulders and the swagging of his head and most of all the great gun he carried were enough to make good quiet people who had been to church get behind a sandhill however for that it was too late i was bound to face him Bardie dropped her eyes under my beard, and Bunny crept closer behind my leg. For my part, although the way was narrow, and the lift of the storm gave out some light, it would have moved no resentment in me if he had seen, as rich men do, unfit to see a poor man. However, there was no such luck. He carried his loaded gun with its muzzle representing a point of view the very last I could have desired, namely, at my midships, and he carried it so that I longed to have said a little word about carefulness, but I durst not, with his coal-black eyes fixed upon me as they were, and so I pulled up suddenly, for he had given me an imperious nod, as good as ordering me to stop. Wreckershaw, he cried out in Welsh, having scarce a word of English. Wreck ashore! I smell a dio, 
don't tell me no lies my boy i smelled her all the afternoon and high time to have one there is a wreck ashore i answered looking with some disgust at him as a man who has been wrecked himself must do at a cruel wrecker but the ebb most likely will draw her off and drift her into the quicksands great god speak not like that my boy the worst you are of everything if those two children came ashore there must have been something better and he peered at the children as if to search for any gold upon them neither child came from that wreck one is my granddaughter bunny bunny show yourself to black evan but the child shrank closer behind me evan black you know her well and the other is a little thing i picked up on the coast last night ha ha you pick up children where you put them i suppose but take them indoors and be done with them cubs to come with a wreck ashore a noble wreck ashore i say but come you down again fisherman dio he used the word fisherman with a peculiar stress and a glance of suspicion at my pockets come you down again dio dear i shall want you to help me against those thieves from kenvig bring my other gun from the clock case and tell the boys to run down with their bando sticks i'll warrant we'll clear the shore between us and then good dio honest dio you shall have some you shall you dog fair play dio fair share and share though every stick is mine of right ah dio dio you cunning sheep's head you love a keg of rum you dog this i knew to be true enough but only within the bounds of both honesty and sobriety but so much talking had made his brain in its present condition go round again and while i was thinking how far it might be safe and right to come into his views his loaded gun began wagging about in a manner so highly dangerous that for the sake of the two poor children i was obliged to get out of his way and looking back from a safer distance there i beheld him flourishing with his arms on the top of a sand-hill and waving his hat on the top of his gun for his sons to come over the warren moxy thomas was very kind she never could help being so and therefore never got any thanks she stripped the two wet children at once and put them in bed together to keep each other warm but first she had them snugly simmering in a milk pan of hot water with a little milk for the sake of their skins bunny was heavy and sleepy therein and did nothing but yawn and stretch out her arms bardy on the other hand was ready to boil over with delight and liveliness flashing about like a little dab chick oh davy she said as i came to see her at her own invitation and she sat quite over bunny i'll have a little drop with the water up to her neck she put one mite of a transparent finger to my grizzled mouth and popped a large drop in and laughed until i could have worshipped her now having seen these two little dears fast asleep and warmly compassed i began according to evan's orders to ask about the boys not having seen any sign of them moxy said that watkin went out to look for his five brothers about an hour after i had left and in spite of the rain and lightning she had tried in vain to stop him something was on his mind it seemed 
and when she went up to attend on his father, he took the opportunity to slip out of the kitchen. Now Moxie having been in the house, and the house away from the worst of the storm, being moreover a woman, and therefore wholly abroad about weather, it was natural that she should not have even the least idea of the jeopardy encountered by her five great sons in the warren. Enough for her that they were not at sea. Danger from weather upon dry land was out of her comprehension. It wanted perhaps half an hour of dusk, and had given over raining, but was blowing a good reef topsail gale when I started to search for the sons of Skur. Of course I said nothing to make their mother at all uneasy about them, but took from the top-case the loaded gun, as Evan had commanded me, and set forth upon the track of young Watkin, better foot foremost, for he was likely to know best what part of the warren his five great brothers had chosen for their sport that day, and in the wet sand it was easy to follow the course the boy had taken. The whirlwinds had ceased before he went forth, and the deluge of rain was now soaked in, through the drought so long abiding. But the wind was wailing pitifully, and the rushes swaying wearily, and the yellow baldness, here and there, of higher sand-hills, caught the light. Ragged clouds ran over all, and streamers of the sunset, and the sun was like a school let loose, with the joy of wind and rain again. It is not much of me that swears, when circumstances force me, only a piece, perhaps, of custom, and a piece of honesty. These two lead one astray sometimes, and then comes disappointment. For I had let some anger vex me at the rudeness of Black Evan, and the ungodliness of his sons, which forced me thus to come abroad, when full of wet and weariness. In spite of this, I was grieved and frightened, and angry with no one but myself, when I chanced upon Boy Watkin, fallen into a tuft of rushes, with his blue eyes running torrents. There he lay, like a heap of trouble, as young folk do ere they learn the world, and I put him on his legs three times, but he managed to go down again. At last I got his knees to stick, but even so he turned away, and put his head between his hands, and could not say a word to me. And by the way his shoulders went, I knew that he was sobbing. I asked him what the matter was, and what he was taking so much to heart, and, not to be too long over a trifle, at last I got this out of him. Oh, good Mr. Llewellyn, dear, I never shall see nothing more of my great brother's five, so long as I ever do live and when they kicked me out of bed every Sunday morning, and spread the basins over me, it was not that they meant to harm, I do feel it. I do feel it. And perhaps my knees ran into them. Under the sands, under the sands they are, and never to kick me again no more. Of sorrow it is more than ever I can tell. Watty, said I, why talk you so? Your brothers know every crick and corner of this warren, miles and miles, and could carry a sand-hill among them. They are snug enough somewhere with their game, and perhaps gone to sleep, like the little ones. Of the baby's adventures he knew nothing, and only stared at me. 
so I asked him what had scared him so. Under the sands, the sands, they are so sure as ever I do live, or the rabbit bag would not be here, and Dutch, who never, never leaves them, howling at the rabbit bag. Looking further through the tussocks, I saw that it was even so. Dutch, the mongrel collie, crouched beside a bag of something, with her tail curled out of sight, and her ears laid flat and listless, and her jowl along the ground. And every now and then she gave a low but very grievous howl. "'Now, boy, don't be a fool,' I said, with a desire to encourage him. "'Soon we shall find your brother's five with another great sack of rabbits. "'They left the bitch yonder to watch the sack, while they went on for more, you see.' "'It is the sack, the sack it is, and no other sack along of them. "'Oh, Mr. Llewellyn, dear, here is the bag, and there is Dutch, and never no sign at all of them.' At this I began to fear indeed that the matter was past helping, that an accident and a grief had happened worse than the drowning of all the negroes, which it had ever pleased Providence, in a darkness of mood, to create for us. But my main desire was to get poor Watty away at once, lest he should encounter things too dreadful for a boy like him. "'Go home,' I said, with a bag of rabbits, and give poor Dutch her supper.' "'Your father is down on the shore of the sea, and no doubt the boys are with him. "'They are gone to meet a great shipwreck, worth all the rabbits, "'all the way from Dunraven to Giant's Grave.' "'But little Dutch, it is little Dutch. "'They never would leave her, if wreck there was. "'She can fetch out of the water so good as almost as any dog.' "'I left him to his own devices, being now tired of arguing.' for by this time it was growing dark, and a heavy sea was roaring, and the wreck was sure to be breaking up, unless she had been swallowed up, and the common sense of our village and parish would go very hard against me for not being on the spot to keep the adjacent parish from stealing. For Kenvig and Newton are full of each other, with a fine old ancient hatred. So he climbed over the crest of high sand, where the rushes lay weltering after the wind, and then with a plunge of long strides downhill, and plucking our feet out hastily, on the watered marge we stood, to which the sea was striving. Among the rocks Black Evan leaped, with white foam rushing under him, and sallies of the stormy tide volleying to engulf him. Strong liquor still was in his brain, and made him scorn his danger, and thereby saved him from it, one timid step, and the churning waters would have made a curd of him. The fury of his visage showed that somebody had wronged him, after whom he rushed with vengeance, and his great gun swinging. "'Sons of dogs!' he cried in Welsh, alighting on the pebbles. "'May the devil feed their fathers with a melting bowl!' "'What's the rumpus now?' I asked. "'What have your sons been doing?' For he always swore at his sons as freely as at anybody's and at himself for begetting them. "'My sons!' he cried, with a stamp of rage. "'If my sons had been here, what man would have dared to do on the top of my head this thing? Where are they? I sent you for them!' "'I have sought for them high and low,' I answered. "'Here is the only one I could find.' "'Watkin! What use of Watkin! A boy like a girl or a baby! 
I want my five tall bully boys to help their poor father's livelihood. There's little Tom Taylor gone over the sand hills with a keg of something, and Teddy Shoemaker with a spar, and I only shot between them. Cursed fool! What shall I come to not to be able to shoot a man? He had fired his gun, and was vexed, no doubt, at wasting a charge so randomly. Then spying his other gun on my shoulder, with the flint and the priming set, he laid his heavy hand on it. I scarce knew what to do, but feared any accident in the struggle, and after all, he was not so drunk that the law would deny him his own gun. Ha ha! with a pat of the breech, he cried, for this I owe thee a good turn, Dio. Thou art loaded with rocks, my darling, as the other was with cowries, twenty to the pound of lead for any longshore robbers. I see a lot more sneaking down, Dio, now for sport, my boy. I saw some people, dark in the distance, under the brow of a sand-hill, and before I could speak or think, Black Evan was off to run at them. I too set my feet for speed, but the strings of my legs hung backward, and Watty, who could run like a hare, seemed to lag behind me, and behind him there was little Dutch, crawling with her belly down, and her eyes turned up at us, as if we were dragging her to be hanged. Until we heard a shout of people, through the roar of wind and sea, in front of where Black Evan strode, and making towards it we beheld, in glimmering dusk of shore and sky, something we knew nothing of. A heavy sand-hill hung above them, with its brow come over, and long roots of rushes, naked in the shrillness of the wind. Under this were men at work, as we work for lives of men, and their Sunday shirt-sleeves flashed, white like ghosts, and gone again. Up to them strode Evan Black, over the marge of the wild March tides, and grounded his gun, and looked at them. They for a breath gazed up at him, and seemed to think and wonder, and then, as though they had not seen him, fell again a-digging. "'What means this?' he roared at them, with his great eyes flashing fire, and his long gun levelled. But they neither left their work, nor lifted head to answer him. The yellow sand came sliding down, in wedge-shaped runnels, over them, and their feet sank out of sight, but still they kept on working. "'Come away, then, Evan Great! Come away and seek for wreck!' I shouted, while he seemed to stand in heaviness of wonder. "'This is not a place for you! Come away, my man, my boy!' Thus I spoke, in Welsh, of course, and threw my whole weight on his arm, to make him come away with me. But he set his feet in sand, and spread his legs, and looked at me, and the strongest man that was ever born could not have torn him from his hold, with those eyes upon him. Dio, I am out of dreaming. Dio, I must see this wreck. Only take the gun from me. This I would have done right gladly, but he changed his mind about it, falling back to a savage mood. You down there, who gave you leave to come and dig my sandhills? Answer, or have skins of lead. Two or three of the men looked up and wanted to say something, but the head man from the lines, who understood the whole of them, nodded, and they held their tongues. Either they were brave men all, which never is without discipline, 
or else the sense of human death confused and overpowered them whatever they meant they went on digging some damned sailor under there cried evan losing patience little mustard spoons of sand can't you throw it faster fine young fellows three of them in the hole their own ship made last march tide it must have been let us see this new batch come they always seem to have spent their wages before they learned to drown themselves he laughed and laid his gun aside and asked me for tobacco and trying to be sober sang the rising of the lark i for my part shrunk away and my flesh crawled over me work away my lads work away you are all of a mind to warm yourselves let me know when you have done and all you find belongs to me i can sit and see it out and make a list of everything earrings gold and foreign pieces and the trinkets they have worn out with them i know them all fools what use of skulking you're on soft stuff i see have out every one of them so they did and laid before him in the order of their birth the carcasses of his five sons evan first his eldest born thomas next and rees and hopkin and then with the sigh of death still in him jenkin newly turned fifteen End of chapter 11